0: Hey, guys, it's your girl, the real Tasha. So are you ready to get in shape, get your immune system, that boost that it needs? Look at Tava products. Tava is a plant-based product, all natural products that is also black-owned that will help you get your immune system in order and get that gut health back in order. With Tava, we have the detox teas, the liquid vitamin, the energy capsules, and CBD-infused coffee, and much, much more. Guys, check out Tava products today. If you need the link, I'll have it in the description here, but also check out at com. Now let's start our show. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of It's The Real Tasha. Okay, I wanted to talk about this, but I wanted to make sure I had all my ducks in a row and I wanted to make sure I watched everything. And what I mean by watching everything... I want to name this segment the original Dream Girls. Who am I talking about? I am talking about Miss Aretha Franklin, Miss Tina Turner, and Miss Mahalia Jackson. Okay, over the last three weeks, there have been documentaries dropped about these three ladies. Mahalia Jackson had an eight series documentary, which the National Geographic Channel had that one. Tina Turner dropped her HBO special named Tina and Lifetime on this past Saturday released it's Mahalia Jackson doc- documentary. All three were awesome. And why am I talking about this on this podcast? Number one, it is black women of empowerment in all three of these settings, all three of these documentaries, but with my podcast it talks more about entrepreneurship and watching you grow and I want to tie this into that these three women turn tragedy into triumph and in an entrepreneurial way so that's why I want to call them the three original dream girls if you have not watched the documentaries take out time to break watch those those were all some documentaries so let's just talk about the first one The Aretha Franklin one. Aretha Franklin had a troubling past. We have always heard this in the air, but now it's starting to be released. And we don't know how fictional it was on the documentary, but from my understanding, it was pretty much true. She started having babies at, what, 12, 14 years old. Not so much knowing that if one of them was her dad. We don't know for sure. They didn't clarify that. But she was on the road with his church and the gospel, and so be it. And he was very the ladies' man. He was very much so the ladies' man. But he always favored her. He was so much of a ladies' man as she was growing up, he pretty much drove the mother crazy and set it up to where she left him with the children and had to go pursue her own life which didn't last long because she ended up passing away which they never really and i have not researched how the mother had died which is aretha franklin's mother but during her process aretha franklin had two children before she was even 20 14 and i think at 15 16 years old she had one of her sons to the fact we still don't know who the father is of those two but what i want to talk about with her She had a beautiful voice and she used that to her advantage, singing the gospel, singing the triumph, just just singing all over the world as she grew up. But she also had her troubles, troubles with family, trying to pull different men, men pulling her one way, but she always, always wanted to please her dad and things of that sort. Record labels screwing her out of her money and so forth. And, you know, you only know what you know. That's one of my favorite sayings. A lot of people say, how could that happen? How could you let that happen? How do people let this happen to them? How did they? you don't. You they only know what they know. And back then, women were not educated on finances, contracts, and so forth. And unfortunately, a lot of the white counterpart record label people still to this day is taking advantage of a lot of African-American entertainers. They always have, and they probably always will if you don't take out the time to reach your contracts and what a lot of you know black entertainers they dangle the gold they dangle the money they dangle the diamonds they dangle the dream lifestyle in front of them and they don't look through their contracts and they don't have the proper lawyers because you have to be careful with this a lot of lawyers and managers are tied in it together well you think they're looking out for your good and they're really not they're working as a team to jip you out of your money that's just a side note But back to Aretha, she had to learn that the hard way. She lost out on a lot of money over the years because she put her trust in a lot of people and who didn't mean her any well. They knew that she was a ATM machine. She was a cash pot. She would bring them a lot more money than what she was seeing. And at the time, I'm not going to say she's so much a people pleaser, but she was a pleaser to her dad and pretty much whatever he says goes. And she would always want his approval and want his, you know, just wanting him to, you know, praise her. And he did. Now, tragically, something happened to him. He was shot inside of his home. They don't know who did it. You know, rumors used to say it was some woman he was fooling with husband that shot him. He was in a coma like three years as she was performing on the road in Vegas, I believe. Now, over the years, she had her record deals with Motown and so forth and so forth. But she really got her strength after her father died, to be honest. Now, she was the type, From what the documentary shows and different clips that I have seen and different information I have gathered about Aretha, she commanded what she wanted, but her dad was still a little bit of a puppet master. That, again, is where you fall into, you know, your worth. And then she did have a couple of deadbeat relationships with men who were kind of riding her coattails to make their, you know, just pretty much going through the money. But she wanted to have that, that voice and wanted to have that signature, I'm married as some people do, or I got a man, as some people do when they're really running you to the ground. But unfortunately, when the father died, she kind of was able to branch off on her, you know, kind of pull away from the chains of that. It was a struggle and she became very successful. But with Aretha, her life was not always peaches and cream. That documentary broke down so much, but she went through a lot of storms to come out on top before she left this earth in 2018 now aretha from my understanding some of the other singers kind of bumped heads with aretha they said she was a little cutthroat behind the scenes she she stopped the bag back then you know stopped the money coming in for certain entertainers not sure of that they didn't talk about that in the documentary but you know that's rumors that have always floating in the air that she kind of a monkey wrench in a lot of people's uh, opportunities and for what reason who knows but with Aretha and these three ladies stories the other two ladies and these three ladies stories all together this was amazing triumph over tragedy and how they were able to pursue and command the stage and command what they wanted up to the end now there's a lot more with Aretha there's a lot more to her story I'm pretty sure there's going to be a great book that comes out with this but she was one of the original Dream Girls. Now let's move on to Tina Turner. Tina Turner. Anime Bullock. We all seen the movie that came out a couple some years back. We were all like, what? But this HBO special called Tina really broke it down. And for about an hour at the beginning of the documentary, it breaks down her life. Now, the movie that was produced years ago broke it down, but it left out a lot of pieces, which they do, because her book, most books will tell you a whole different story and then you got to condense it into a movie. So that's totally understandable. But this documentary really broke it down, how her mother and father, she was brought up in an abusive relationship to where she saw them fighting all the time. Mama couldn't take it anymore, decided to take time and just leave. Now, the movie says she was left with the grandmother. The documentary says, I think, an aunt and some cousins. Either way, the mother just left. So Tina had to fend for herself, learn the ropes in Nutbush, Tennessee. And back then in the South, what do you deal with? Slavery, controversy, all that stuff. You're pretty much either going to be a house cleaner, somebody's nanny, and so forth. That's as far as you were going to get. And they taught a lot of the women, you you know, get you a good white family to work for and you'll be okay that's all the further that they thought back then but with tina she felt much much more so she made her way up north to where she had like in the movie she met ike and her you know and so forth but here it is again young and gullible Ike took her under the wing she had this beautiful voice He's seen his money maker his meal ticket and he cut her out of a lot of financial things because she there again you only know what you know 14, 15 years old, you got this older man wooing you. You probably lost your virginity to him and so forth. And he knows what's best. But then he also warped your mind to everybody leaves me. Everyone I makes famous, they leave me. So she was warped in the mindset of, I can't leave this man because I do love him. He does does love me. But in all reality, he loved the money that she was bringing in. Unfortunately, Tina Turner never had access to any money. All those years that Ike and Tina Turner Review brought in money from different uh, records and different venues, she never saw the money. Now, she he did buy the costumes and the wigs to justify it, but she never seen contracts, never seen the money. Only time she really seen any money, and she really touches that very briefly, is when she did the song with um that Proctor guy, and it was the ragdoll song. And then she did the um, Nutbush City Limits, but she never really indicated if she had access to those checks and i believe back then ike was over everything even if they cut it to tina she probably handed the check right over to him now what tina would say the abuse occurred the mental physical just the whole nine but being from Nubush, tennessee coming up north to the big city lights everything is moving fast this man takes you under your wing and grooms you she doesn't know anything she can't leave she doesn't have anywhere to go she can't run to mama's house because mama pretty much is on her payroll which is ike's payroll and so forth which is showed in the movie so tina had to endure a lot as she hit the stage and as you know beyonce used to say she turns into sasha fierce i believe tina turner had a different um ego and, and attitude when she went on the stage to block out what was going on with reality Because she would perform after fights, after mental abuse, after having children. Now, let me backtrack about old Tina, though. Tina was a little trifling. Because Tina had raised Ike's two kids that he had from a previous relationship which you know, she was cheating with Ike when he was with his girlfriend. Then she had a kid with Ike. Now, here's the trifling part. She had a kid with one of the band members, too. They kind of slipped that in there. But... You know, they they, they barely touched on that. But, you know, hey, it is what it is. But evidently, Ike didn't have a problem with it or because he knew if he had a problem with it, she got gone. That was his meal ticket. So he adjusted to it. They never said if he mistreated that child like it wasn't his or so forth. She never did touch on that. But, you know, with Ike, he pretty much had her mind mentally until she had her breaking point. And then with Tina, she had her breaking point a lot of years down the road to where she got into Buddhism and it made her open her eyes to a lot of things. And what, I, you know, this, I don't want to push religion, but I'm going to tell you something. When you follow whatever religion, whatever mantra that you follow, it opens your eyes to a lot of things in life. And that's all I'm going to touch on that, that where you can make different decisions and you see things more clearer. In her case, she's seen it in Buddhism. And she started chanting and educating herself on the Buddhism. And she started opening her eyes to where she got the strength to walk away. We all know that story. She breaks it down in a documentary. So after she breaks away from Ike, they get divorced. Tina did not want anything. She walked away with nothing but her name. And she really emphasized this in the, in the um, documentary that she didn't want all that stuff tina knew all reality that all in all reality that ike was a cokehead he owed debts she didn't know that much she didn't do right by the money i wouldn't want no ties to none of that either i wouldn't want it but she wanted her name which is the tina turner stage name and the judge granted to her he didn't want her to have it because he knew what she was getting ready to do when tina started buddhism it opened her eyes to a lot of things and tina knew if i got to start from scratch i need to at least have my name which is tina turner to carry me along the way. Because in all reality she did work hard for that name. Now let me backtrack. When she first started being with Tina and Ike and Tina review, She had no clue that he changed her name to Tina Turner to a stage name. And today, they were about ready to start performing. Which is played in the movie. And she does announce that in the documentary. Because we do remember her name is Anna Mae. So fast forward to when she broke away from Ike. And the judge gave her her name which was stage name granted her the the rights to her stage name tina had a rough time she had to get back out there she didn't want to do the doo-wop hip-hop in the motown that was ike stuff she was more of the rock and roll to mick jagger and all that kind of jazz back then in the late 70s early 80s she would have that kind of gut feeling and that power and she wanted that in her world that's what kind of music she liked It was very hard for her being a black woman who always sung Motown music, blues, and so forth to go into the world of rock and roll, where nowadays it would be a little bit easier for some people, somewhat, because we have our R&B singers that's going into country, country going back into hip hop, you know, so forth. But back then, you know, people would look at it, uh, Tina Turner from Ike and Tina, but do you want to do rock and roll like Mick Jagger? But I'm going to tell you one thing that she did. She manifested and said that I am going to fill up stadiums like Mick Jagger and all the rest of them. And she did it, boy, you know, but it took a lot of work. So for years, she had to build herself up. She did a lot of entertaining in Vegas and a lot of shows in Vegas until she got that one break and blew up from there with Tina's story, she worked and worked. Tina Turner actually just stopped working on the stage maybe in the last 10 years due to it was time to retire and due to health issues. And unfortunately, with this documentary, the last appearance that she really made to the public was in 2018. And that's when they did the Tina stage play. Tina has had a history of, I think she's had a stroke, and she has been diagnosed with cancer. And from my understanding, she was in renal failure at one point. Got a kidney from her her husband. But in all, I'm hearing different stories that it's rejecting. And to be honest, this documentary is Tina's finally farewell. And I've told other people what you got to see this documentary because I think in all reality, Tina Turner probably getting ready to bow out gracefully pretty soon. She's been through a lot dealing with Ike Turner over the years and then trying to shut that part of her life out, which was a lot of gaps out of her life. She created Tina Turner, reinvent herself and became very successful with that. But then different triumphs came with that. Different, you know, different things came with that. Different upsetting things, loss of money, loss of management. Ike Jr. died. He committed suicide a few years back. You know, she raised him as her, her son. We don't know what mental issues she was dealing with him on that rate, right? you know, and then outside stuff. And unfortunately, um, at the end of the documentary, they had her, you know, in memory of a special lady that was in Tina Turner life. She had been with Tina Turner since Ike and Tina Turner Review. I can't call her name right now, but she was one of Tina Turner's pretty much one of her only and best friends who was like her role manager, her confidant, who made sure every all her ducks were in, in the role when she was with, Ike, with Tina, Ike and Tina Turner and as Tina Turner. And she unfortunately passed right before this documentary was released. I believe it said January of 2021. And you can look at the documentary to get her name and it tells the history of her and Tina Turner. So with that said, that is our second original dream girl, which is Tina Turner. And this last one, I put this in here because... I've always loved Mahalia Jackson. Mahalia Jackson, when I was a little girl, my grandparents had all the records, even the little small ones with the big holes in there and the big ones, you know, the original oversized records, the ones with the small ones with the big holes in there. I can't remember what they called them, 45, sale, I don't know. But I've always loved her gospel as a little girl. I just loved that. It. it just made you feel warm inside. It just made you feel closer to, to the Lord and things of that nature. I didn't know much about Mahalia Jackson until I got older and started doing research and reading things about her and her life. And Mahalia Jackson started off down in the South like most of these great singers do, but she was in the gospel realm. But they were telling her when she had to go up north that this is not what we do here. This is not what they do. And she had to change the whole era because they wanted her to sing the blues. Because what happens, said black women sing blues back in those days. We don't sing gospel. Blues is what sell. And then like Mahalia said, any person can, any black person can sing the blues because it's in their heart. But can they all sing gospel? And with Mahalia Jackson, she brought gospel to life. She healed people with her music. I'm telling you guys, when I listen to Mahalia Jackson and you guys have to pull up some of her clips, that music just does something to your soul and always have. If you're having a bad day, Pull your Mahalia Jackson song up. It's not just the music; it's the lyrics. It's the soulful part of that. You just feel the religious aspect of it. But with Mahalia, she had her triumphs and try. Just bad times altogether too. She dealt with deadbeat men riding her coattails. She had a husband who just thought every job was the job for him. And you know, let's let's sell butter. Let's sell cakes. We gonna make money. But he also had a gambling problem. So when Mahalia moved to Chicago area to pursue her, she originally went to be a nurse. And let me back up. Mahalia, you know, she had a rough life. Her mother died. Um, I think her mother was like a kind of a nurse in the southern town, caught disease and the grandfather died. She was raised by an aunt. She used to sing. People used to come up to the porch and hear her singing while she was cleaning the house. And the aunt didn't approve of that, but the aunt also told her her voice will carry her a long way. But at the time, hell, you didn't understand what that was. So what did she do? She goes up to Chicago to be a nurse. Because, you know, back then and even to this day, you, oh, nurses make good money. Nurses is what to be. That's the career. You know, that's what they always planted in your head. So she went to Chicago to pursue nursing. But she also sung for churches for extra money. Well, a lot of churches didn't like her style of singing because with um, Bahia Jackson, she'll sing the gospel, but it got a little oof to it, a little R&B to it, as you want to say. And these churches didn't really agree. So she was you met this piano player, a lady, and they became really good friends over the years. And she referred her to some singing coaches and they were telling her how to sing, how they do in Chicago and up north. They don't do all that southern rhetoric and so forth. But Mahalia was like, yeah, you know what? Mm, Y'all might not, but I will. But she put her singing on hold. She would still do the gospel singing and travel just a hair, but she really opened up a salon. And that was her meal ticket. She was a very successful beauty salon owner and did a lot of hair and kept afloat that way. But she always had singing in her heart and she would travel and she was sing and, you know, do a lot of the tent gospel jamborees, as they said back then, and made her money. She did try out for a play and she wooed them, but never followed up with it. You know, she pursued her beauty salon thing. And that's what I mean, guys, when you're dealing with entrepreneurship and your dreams, sometimes we put them on the back burners because we got to maintain a household or we just melt our dreams because of one person said no. And we got to realize you're going to hear a lot of no's before we hear yes. And when she went for that audition, she met a little boy who was a very singer. And she's always been a nurturing soul. And she took that little boy in and raised him as her son. And this tells us in the documentary. Robin Roberts from ABC's Good Morning America is a producer of this. And she did an awesome job on Mahalia. I'm just throwing that sidebar in there. But. As life went on, Mahalia started getting her niche and started getting studio time, and people would hear her songs, and record labels finally started biting at her as a gospel singer, and she pursued that, and was very successful with that over the years. She had piano players thing. but I'm going to tell you one thing they did put in this documentary. Mahalia got the big head. They kind of touched on it, but you could tell, and she lost a lot of friends and family due to that, because she was above herself. And it didn't take her to start losing people for her to humble herself on that point. Um, we all know that she was good friends with Martin Luther King. And when he passed, she sung at his funeral. She sung when he did the I Dream Had a Dream speech and so forth. She lost um, the great love of her life. Not the first husband, but a pastor that she really loved. He had bone cancer, which I didn't know that. And that was a great love of her life. Um, her son stopped talking to her because she didn't. She got the big head. She started not talking to the uh, her other piano player and not realizing that this piano person, she thought she was just a drunk and wasting her money. But Mahalia kind of had her foot on her neck and kept her at a set pay for over eight or nine years as Mahalia was getting more money. But this lady was dealing with arthritis and drinking to deal with the pain of arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis. Can you imagine having arthritis and being a piano player and playing hours on hours at end? And then she would always cover up for Mahalia and make sure she was okay. But then Mahalia always talked to her like a dog. That's just how it was on the documentary. And I believe it was like that in real life. But unfortunately, it took her to start losing people. And that happens in life because it always says, don't never forget where you come from and you got to humble yourself. A lot of people get, let's say rich or become very successful and they stop, they forget where they come from. They don't humble themselves. They started mistreating the ones that was there for them or they don't continue. Now she did praise God. Now don't get me wrong because the Bible always said, don't forget, you know, about how you needed God at the time of need. But when you get successful and get your riches, you don't, you don't, you forget him and how he could take it away. That's just a source short summary of what the Bible verse is there. Again, I've told you guys before, and I'm not a Bible thumper, but I do know my Bible under my interpretation but back to mahalia jackson with that being said mahalia had to humble herself once she started losing people and losing loved ones in life and mahalia had a lot of health issues due to her fast life things that she was eating and things of that sort and but she was very successful gospel singer and she still makes money to this day as for all three of the women with their songs and with these documentaries These women have brought awaken their albums because as soon as people see these documentaries, what do they do? They go buy the album, look them up, play the music, go to buy the album, look them up, play the music. They make them relevant again. And Mahalia Jackson is one of the staples in the gospel community. I don't care how many years go by. She will always be, you will know Mahalia Jackson. And there again, This all ties into women empowerment and women entrepreneurship. These women had created something out of nothing and left this world in some cases or have had a long lasting life and was very successful with that and had a story to tell. So guys, check out all three of these documentaries. They are excellent. They have some hidden gems and they will open your eyes to a lot of things. So with that being said, guys, I just wanted to cover this podcast with the three dream girls that I call three three dream girls, which is Aretha Franklin, Tina Turner and Mahalia Jackson. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this podcast and I will talk to you guys next week. And as I always said, live the realest life ever. Have a good night.